Are you paying too much for your home and auto insurance? At Caleb Holloway State Farm, you're a one-quick-click call and quote away for some serious savings. Visit www.calebholloway.net or call 706-406-2111 for all of your home, auto, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, Caleb Holloway State Farm is there. Hey everybody, it's Rob from Cigar Store Idiots. Are you looking for something a little extra to get you through your day? Well, let me suggest Kill Cliff. Kill Cliff is a clean energy drink with a natural source of caffeine derived from green tea leaves. Whether it be the Kill Cliff for recovery, Ignite for that energy boost, or the CBD-infused Kill Cliff, they've got you covered. Go to CigarStoreIdiot.com, click on the Kill Cliff link, and use promo code CIGARIDIOTS for some awesome savings. Kill Cliff, clean energy, killer taste. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Cigar Store Idiots. I am Rob. You are? I am Andrew. And sir, over here to my immediate right, you are? They let me out of the basement once again, and I am Arlo. Man, welcome back to the show, Arlo. Arlo from Mysterious Brews. Thanks. Yeah, man. Great to have you. I actually uh, have some kind of a clap and applause uh, sound bite here, but I, I'm not really smart enough to do that. Real, It's too early in the morning for that. So what's going on, fellas? Bring me some of that. What, what do you got going on over there, Arlo? What are you doing for us at this moment? Mysterious I'm brews. pouring a little nitro cold brew coffee stout from Guinness. Oh, okay, all right, sounds fair. And I will tell you, taste test. Uh, we did a taste test earlier. Uh, Arlo had brought us in. Andrew, what's he got there? It is a uh, moon pie, chocolate moon pie stout. So it's basically heaven in a. It's from in the, it, it's in from a, Naked yeah. River Brewing Company. And it's moon pie, chocolate moon pie stout. And it was fabulous. Yeah, and they was. actually brew it with parts of the moon pie. That I mean, it is and you're, not gonna, and you're not going to get it here in, in Georgia. You only play, you're going to go up Chattanooga to get it. That's the bad part. That's wild. It sounds like when we went and... Is uh, it good? We, good? we went and interviewed uh, Spike at Terrapin, and he talked about... What did he send somebody out to get? What was it? What was Man, it? That's pretty good. What, what? what was that that Spike told? Uh, he sent somebody out to get some fruit that they did a beer with and they're like what are you talking about and he's like just go get it i'm gonna make some oh, beer with it he went the blueberry one it was uh god what was it? i can't remember i'm gonna have to go well, back in my criminal days i used to dabble in uh raisins uh no in clear liquor and uh <laughs> <laughs> i made some blue what i called blueberry pie and like my dad who never like ever did anything yeah was like I don't care what it takes, but if you stop making this, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that gets me excited. You still make it? I still have some. Yeah, I've got some peach pie, or actually, we called it peach cobbler, 
and I've got some of the blueberries still left. I will bring you boys some next time. Man, I, I just keep you know I dude, tease I will, y'all with stuff. I will pay you. For I'll some tease y'all with stuff. Then you keep. We'll take freebies. <laughs> yeah, but, you keep, uh, dude, I'll invite <laughs> me back. I got no problem paying for that. No doubt, no doubt. So this is. Have you tried this yet? Uh yes, and it's very. It good. is good, man. It's, very it's not good. too heavy. That's what I was. No, and it's. I it's, expected it's, it to be. It's, I did too. It's a coffee. Yeah, you can taste the coffee. You can. So what we're drinking is. It is made. It's made by Guinness. It's nitro cold brew coffee. It comes in four packs, and beer with coffee and natural coffee flavors. It's good. It's only four percent alcohol. It's not a real heavy alcohol beer, but it. If you like coffee and you like cold coffee, this is. I do not like cold coffee. I do not like. I don't like I a whole lot of stouts. Either. I love stouts, but the like stouts. the two. That's the thing, though. I like trying different stuff because even though I don't like stouts, there's going to be one like that moon pie and that one. Well, there's yeah. a. Have you tried the Paps one? The Paps coffee. No, I really haven't. Okay, it tastes like a yoo-hoo. Oh, that's not good. I'm just <laughs> telling you, I'm pounding <laughs> shit out of them. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just telling you, it co- I'm just telling you, the Paps. It'd be an intervention uh, coming <laughs> yeah. up. With the Paps those. coffee, it does not taste like coffee. It tastes like you're drinking a yoo-hoo. and I'm not exaggerating in the least little bit. But now this one, the Guinness one, Nitro Coke Brew Coffee, it tastes like coffee. It but does. It's good. It is good. It's good. It's not so what far. I we're batting two for two today. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of the stouts, and I uh, I had got I, I have a subscription a subscription to Bespoke Post. I get a box yeah. every month, yeah. and uh, actually got a box uh, from uh, the Brooklyn Brew Shop, uh, and I actually got a stout. So it's a it's a beer kit, beer making kit. So Brooklyn. Uh, brewery up there they've got some phenomenal beers too we are trying to do some business with these guys brooklyn brew shop uh let's do business let's make it happen as we say on cigar store 80 it's a hell it's one o'clock somewhere it's yeah. one it's yeah it's one o'clock <laughs> right. somewhere for sure so um a couple of little crazy things that we had going on of course we we're down here in uh, northwest georgia so we had some insane weather a couple of nights ago i um, believe uh was it noonan Got a F four Cartersville, Georgia. Got an F four tornado. Uh, that was that was announced today. So hail all over uh, the northwest Georgia area. Wind damage. I mean, it, it was insane. So this it, is only the second time I can remember, and there's probably more, but the only second time I can remember schools letting out early because severe weather was coming. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, coming. Yeah. And so usually they'll be like, you know, after school activities are closed, but no, they were like. One o'clock, come One get o'clock. your kids. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. They even ran buses. Yeah, they ran yeah. buses and everything. And I'm like, man, this must be. And so, sure enough, now it happened later, but around four o'clock was the first wave. Well, you yeah. know, actually, at that time, we were picking up kids. Uh, Rock Martin, Cedartown was getting a tornado Pounded. at that time. Yeah, so. right. yeah it's wild. I mean, we went through Cave Springs up to that area. I was, uh, I was actually in here doing a podcast with uh, my Atlas rep. We were talking about uh, the roofing business, and then we were talking about a little bit about some college basketball. And um, I got the alert. To go get the kids, and I was like, "Hey, buddy, we got to cut it short. We're about to get blown away." So, um, and then y'all dodged the bullet, man. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, it came really close. Just so, a few miles down the house from, or a few miles away from where my house is and your house. Yeah, let me tell you the the scary, the sad part of this is, you know, in in the roofing industry, uh, this is the kind of weather that you know we we were able to help a lot of people get their roofs replaced with a lot of damage and stuff like that. But since we had the uh, pandemic that's been going on. There is a worldwide shingle shortage. So there's only certain companies that are still manufacturing shingles. Uh, certain companies are, are, and all companies are only manufacturing certain colors. 
So there's certain colors that's available. The, their whole catalog of colors, it's not available anymore. So, uh, And I just got an email today, or not today, but Friday. Check this out. OSB is about to be, uh, you can't get it. OSB? You know why? Because the glue they make to bind the wood particles together is run out. Is, is run out. Yeah, so you've got a horse <laughs> that is long in the tooth. Time Please to make some donate money. that fucking horse. Time to make some somewhere money. Somewhere, because we've got a lot of roofs, a lot of damage, and I mean... People, it's unfortunate. I've worked a natural disaster when Hurricane Michael came through in Florida a couple of years ago, and, and I hope that we'd never, I'd never have to work another natural disaster because it's, it goes from you helping people uh, put a roof on because the shingles got knocked off or you got a tree limb on it or whatever uh, to uh, there's a slab of concrete there where a house used to be and people are missing. You know, that's so, so we almost got to that point uh, with this. I mean, EF4 tornado is gigantic. This thing tracked this whole supercell tracked for like a hundred miles. Yeah. And my wife was reading something this morning. It said that it's so hard to forecast severe storms for our area that, you know, that Aniston to LJ track, if you're going Northeast, because the, the radar, the Doppler coming out of, uh, Gadsden, that very edge touches that path. Right. Well, the one coming out of Peachtree City also touches that path. So right. it's all, it, they don't overlap. So mm-hmm. they don't know. It's kind of like a blind spot in your car. They don't know what's happening right there where those two touch each other. Yeah. That whole swath where that tornado went, they have. Now, while they showed wind shear and stuff, they have no idea how it's moving because we were watching, I don't remember we, what, it, it ran a station. It, that, that's and it tornado alley. How can they let that happen? It literally missed us. That's you know? my question. I'm talking it literally missed us by 10, 15 10, miles. 15 miles. Yeah. It literally missed wiping out where, where we all live. We live pretty right. close together. So right. um, the other thing on that, just to give you an example, Hurricane Michael, Category 5 hurricane, 200 mile an hour winds with this hurricane, Hurricane Michael. This EF4 tornado that went through Noonan and went through Atlanta, 170 mile an hour winds. Man. So it's basically a land hurricane yeah. is what rolled through there. So and, and uh, it was on the ground. And, I, and I'm ever. shocked. I'm shocked. There's not more people uh, missing or dead. Yeah, that's right. It was on the ground forever, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. And, and and something else is funny with those tornadoes and storms like that. And we see it even with just thunderstorms. It's funny how those mountain ranges. It saves it'll, us. It'll, in a lot of, but a lot of times it'll just break it up right around it Rome. It'll yeah, come it in from Alabama it. and it'll just break it up and it'll go right around us. But it, if ever gets in our bowl, we're done. See Rome. If you're not familiar with Rome, it's all it's seven hills. That's how it got its name. Just like you know, Rome, Italy. And if it gets in this bowl, yeah, we're done. And that's why our pollen's so bad, and yeah. our and our sinus issues are so bad. It'll get in this bowl of these hills, and it just circulates and circulates and circulates. Well, same thing will happen with a tornado if it ever gets in here. Oh hell! When you see that happen, typically, uh, all the all the storms typically will come from the west into the east. Typically, when it happens, when something something catastrophic that'll happen comes from that the east. that storm breaks in uh, mm-hmm. from the east, and, and those those hot winds come. This and this turned into a fucking weather show. <laughs> so we got yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah, it, I love the weather, man. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, I literally uh, I, I've never I've never smoked meth or did meth, but <laughs> I, I like a meth head. That was what I was told. You're at like your own drugs right now. So I'm running around the house. I got the kids in the kitchen. We got. 
helmets on their heads and they're looking at us like they're looking at me because i'm the only one still standing up and everybody's looking at me like are you out of your mind i'm like yeah but i know what's out there well that, i know what's coming not and only that we grew up in silver creek and lindale if it hits us we there. know tornadoes yeah yeah if you unfortunately you yeah do. yeah because we all remember what happened in cons lake and all yeah. those things man it was just bad yeah yeah we uh but you know again we dodged a bullet we really truly dodged a bullet the other thing I'll give was, you one even crazier than this, all right? So the first wave goes through. This tornado goes through. Yeah. Gets past Kingston. I hop in my truck. No. Swear to God. Coach is going to defend his pickled egg eating contest in Orlando today. <laughs> and so we had to record on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and so I drive down to his basement on Thursday between storms. We record in like the whole episode. When we release it Tuesday, you can hear thunder going off in the back, and we're just over there. And I get back in my car, drive back home, <laughs> get home. Second wave hits. Whoo! Look, I get I get crazy That's dedication. Eyes. I, it's dedication. I mean, when the weather gets bad, I get crazy eyes. Like, and I know when Brinson was in here doing the doing the the podcast with me that day. I know I had to look like a cry. I probably scared the shit out of him because I was looking at him like, we got to go. I'm not doing like, we got to wrap it. We got to wrap it. Right. Uh, and I'm like, dude, you got to get out of here. You got to go home. This shit's getting, it's about to get really, really bad. So and it did. It did. Um, the other thing that we dealt with is uh, my buddy works at Schroeder's, uh, best sandwiches on the block right here beside us on Broad Street. Yes, sir. Um, Noah texts me and he goes, dude, we're flooded. We are we're we're flooded, water surging in. You may need to come check your studio. And I'm like, Broad Street was a river. I'm like, well, that would be great, but actually, right now, my whole fucking bottom level of my house is flooded. I'm watching water run underneath the wall, like just pouring in. Like it's like a. Ri- I almost went and got my fly rod out and see if I could hook up on a trout. <laughs> I mean, that shit was just rolling in there. And I'm like, right. what are we gonna do? So I called Andrew. And I was like, man, go check out the studio. I think we got. I think it's flooded. You know, Schroeder's has got water surging in. Uh, the drainage system on Broad Street is clogged with trash and garbage. Haven't been cleaned out in years. You know, tell how long it's been. Cleaned. Maybe some condoms and needles. There too. could be some condoms <laughs> and needles in there. But, Possible. Uh, but uh, we we luckily we so did, I answered the call. Yeah, got down I, came, here. I came down here and I, I immediately ran in the front door and nothing. We were completely dry. So I went next door to Schroeder's and of course they were closed. They were in there cleaning, but the doors unlocked. So I walked in. And I was like, Hey, I'm not here to eat, but just checking on you guys. There was water all in the front. Their kitchen was soaked. They were they were in terrible shape. I say terrible, but I mean it was it was it's really no. Anytime sure. water gets in your business, it's bad. Well, it was deep in the kitchen. Now yeah. it might have been that way up front, but they'd already had it clean. But it was soaking wet. Well, they're close it's to amazing. Monday. They they had to get Camco out here to dry. I it saw out. them there yesterday. So yeah. when I dropped off those Guinnesses yesterday to get cold in the refrigerator, I saw them. Yeah, bringing those over there to clean. It's amazing. We share a wall with Schroeder's. And it's amazing how they got soaked through their front door yeah. and their back door, by the way. Yeah. Because they have a garden area. What do yeah. you call that? Anyway, a little open area out back where, where they, they play music and have stuff. Have bands and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And we share, we have a back door that goes back there too, but it's permanently locked back there. And it's just amazing that we stay completely dry. I still yeah. don't understand it. And I'll tell you, our floors uh, are hardwood. And man, we would have been fucked if this would have oh, yeah. got wet. I no, mean, it would have been terrible. It would have been a, a complete disaster. So, not to mention, we had some things on the floor and yeah. things like that. Yeah, we could have been really bad. And, yeah. We'd have yeah. lost some shirts and stuff because so they we, were in boxes. So, with all those two things going on, uh, we, we dodged a bullet with the, with the tornado. We dodged a bullet with uh, flooding in the, in, the, in the studio. Here's the funny, let's get into the funny shit now. Let's, let's get down to business. Um, last night, I'm laying in the bed. And you know, when you lay in your house and you know certain sounds you can hear in your house, like 
you know how the floor sounds when somebody's walking. You know how it sounds when somebody's bumping doors, okay? I'm laying there. I'm dead asleep. I'm tired of shit from the past two days because I hadn't slept watching the weather. And I hear something like a light bump. I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm a light sleeper, buddy, when something like that goes on. So I heard a light bump. And I was like, Brittany, are you awake? She's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you're not. (laughs) Sorry, I just woke you up. And uh, I was like, I "I just heard a bump. I just want to see if you heard it. And we're laying there, and a few seconds later, the floor creaks. And I'm like, and I'm, dude, I'm like, I'm like, uh, just got out of a car accident, adrenaline dump, robbed. Like, mm-hmm. I'm fucking. Night like, vision goggles on. Yeah, dude. Strap, yeah. Buy a holster. If I, was, like, if, I, if I was a Wolverine, I would have had claws shooting out of my <laughs> knuckles. Right. I was like, somebody's in her house. And uh, so I jump up and I go get my gun. And I'm like walking around. I'm like walking around the house like fucking Call of Duty, dude. I'm like, clear. Veterans clear. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, and, I'm, and I'm talking shit too. I'm like, if somebody's in this house, you're fucking not leaving the way you came in. I'm going to fill you full of holes, you know. Right. And uh, and then I felt like a big fool. Once I got done, there was nobody in our house. Or if they did, they were, they got out of there before I got downstairs. No, man, that's what you got to tell yourself. But dude, I scared that son of a yeah, bitch <laughs> but, uh, but But you know the But sound, you got to know if there's somebody the in the house, they're going to leave a door open getting the hell yeah, out of there. Yeah, because I was straight up, like, I could see in the dark. I was like, right. uh, but. Uh, it's amazing what adrenaline. But you know the sounds in your house. Oh, you, yeah, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Yeah, you know somebody, I mean, like our hallway, uh, we the upper part of the house where the bedrooms are. I mean, it, it it sounded like somebody was walking slowly through our through that hallway because that's the way the, the sound of the floor makes when you walk on it. And she did too. And like when I went, I, we laid back down. It was about five o'clock this morning, and I was like, um, "So, go yes, make some coffee, going <laughs> going back to sleep." And she's like, "No, I'm not going back to sleep." So yeah, it was crazy. So we we dodged that bullet too. Nobody Dang. was in our house. Wow. On the next episode of Mysterious Brews, we interview Rob and his poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I just started shooting, I didn't want to man. mention it. <laughs> I just started shooting, man. <laughs> He was pumped on caffeine and adrenaline, dude. He's like, uh, that's a really nice smiley face you made on your wall with your nine millimeter. <laughs> uh, y'all smell that? Because I'm standing in it. <laughs> so, well, what we really meant, wanted to do uh, was, was uh, we talked about this the last time Arlo was in, was we wanted to get into the Highway of Tears uh, and kind of go over that story. It's uh, It's something that I researched a little bit more, dug into a little bit. Uh, and it's so disturbing and it's sad and it's, it's, uh, it's still going on, which still. is, which is the other thing that's still going on. Uh, and, uh, and we just kind of wanted to get into it. It's, it's, it's basically 40 decades of, of missing women in between, in, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah. When I was researching this, I got pissed. Yeah. Because nobody's talking about it. And and the thing is with this story, it's on the fringes of people that listen to true crime and stuff like that. But we're talking about a highway for our Canadian and, well, anybody that doesn't live in America, 724 kilometers long, which is roughly 450 miles. Yeah. And it's Highway 16, the Yellowhead Highway in British Columbia. And most, I would say 98% of the women that go missing or they find murdered, are indigenous women. Right. They are. And these young ladies... And this happens in Canada and the U.S. Yes. These young ladies are anywhere ages 12 to roughly 25. There's not a whole Very lot of... Very young. And yeah. they're gorgeous. Yeah. Man. yeah they are beautiful, beautiful Indian women. Beautiful uh, women. Indigenous or Indian heavy First Nations is what they've tried First to Nations. do. First Nations, yeah. that's what I saw, yeah. And I like that. I mean, Me I know that we're... 
I, I am totally not on the side of cancel culture, and I'm not for the fake racism and, and shit like that. But when racism happens, Coach and I have talked about this on the podcast on our podcast before. It it's inexcusable. It is. It absolutely is because we true racism. Yes, because we try to pride ourselves on we want to. If I don't like you, it's not because of color of skin. It's because you're usually an you're an asshole or you're a piece of shit. <laughs> right. You're a dickhead. Yeah. And so they treat these women in these tribes up there, even the men, as, as just throwaways. Yeah. Well, they're considered prostitutes or drug abusers. You know, that's why they don't. And what killed me was, um, and we can get into the statistics and stuff, but they're, the unemployment rate for indigenous or First Nations people up there. I like that name, First Nations. 96% yeah. unemployment rate. 96%. That, that is staggering. In in this time. It's failed government at its best. At its, at best. its finest. And here's what pisses me off. Not only the fact that Canada has kind of just tongue-in-cheek, oh, yeah, we're looking into it. No. Uh, the <laughs> During the colonial years, the French and the British merchants were – like real po- little pockets of people that lived in Canada. Most of the people that lived in Canada were First Nations. And so they saw this as, you know, we're going to push them out. Well, then they looked to the U.S. because, you know, the U.S. had such a great track yeah, record we, yeah, with the Trail of Tears. Right, exactly. And then they fought. Not, not only did they do the let's move them to reservations, then they like, oh, America's doing so well. Let's do the uh, Reformation schools. The last Reformation school in Canada closed in 1997. No way. 97. You're trying. They literally tried to Erase beat the Indian or the First Nations out of them. Yeah. They, they stripped them of their heritage. And that's one thing I watched a, a uh, documentary on. They're trying to get them to understand. And the guy that they found, he talked with his hands. He was really eccentric. But he had a great point. He said, when we were left alone we didn't have crime because our tribe took care of everything right because we didn't want mother nature getting mad at us because if you do something to the tribe if you do something to your wife you are invoking disgrace on the tribe tribal laws right and the elders and the people the tribe would take care of it and if they didn't then god would and they knew that the spirits would take care of you if you were a bad person you would be banished they would banish you from the tribe so you had to go out into the wilderness there was a lady that was interviewed and said that her mother lived to be like 96 or 97, could not read, could not write. But if you dropped her anywhere in Canada, she would survive because she knew what roots, what berries. She could kill a moose. She could make a bow and arrow, kill a moose, skin it, use the hide, tan it, quarter it, and use everything there. And killing a moose is not an easy feat. No. Those are some... Especially with a bow and arrow. No, yeah, and you're an old lady. Yeah. Well, and... Those moose can get pretty angry, and they're pretty dangerous animals. And they're blind. That's why they attack people, because yeah. they can't see. They don't know what it is. Yeah. They just know you're in its way. It just, it, 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 you know, I'm sure during this, I'll get my dander up again, but it just killed me that, it, why I look to a, a country that had, we didn't do a, that's a black eye on us. Yeah. No, no But doubt. Canada took it further, and it is considered if you read the UN treaty, it's genocide. Mm-hmm. It is. It is genocide. And it is so sad. And you just want, I just want to go up there and I know this doesn't fix anything, but I just want to walk through those, those little towns up there in, in British Columbia and just hug them. Yeah. 
look, I'm sorry. Right. Can, how can I help? And you can't help everyone. And I think that's what's people have this miscommunicate or misconception of us on our podcast. You know, we cut up and jerk around and stuff, but I hate injustice. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you are, you know, and then for the fact that some of these girls that we'll get into are 12 and 15 year old prostitutes because they couldn't, they make couldn't get a job. Money. Right. Their parents are, I mean, nobody's making, there's no money. There's no money coming in. You can't eat. You can't put clothes on your back. You can't keep your power on. And, and, and just like in America, they turn to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I was about to say, there's a lot of, yeah, I was going to bring that up. There's a lot of drugs and alcohol in those. I, I don't want to use the wrong words here, but in their culture, you know, it's because of their surroundings. You're looking it at is. It, you're looking at so forty. Sad. You're looking at forty decades of this this systemic racism. Going. Forty decades. I mean, of finding dead dead bodies. Not to jump into a something we're not we're not really at that yet. But there was a survivor that claimed that this has been happening since 1492. Yeah, and, and they right. Yeah, and so those those explorers or those, I mean, they considered them savages or less than human. Mm-hmm. They said by the middle of the 19th century, 90% of the First Nations population had been wiped out by disease and by just, we didn't, you're less than us, we're going to kill you or push you out, keep pushing you away from the city. Until you can't survive. Yeah, they looked at them as, you know, and, and that's why they didn't have, they didn't have any issue. Well, that's the way they the early colonists, I guess you would call them colonizers. Uh, I think that's why they, that that's how they recognize they, they dealt with it in their own heads because they considered them, you know, to be savages and less than human. So it made themselves feel better by doing these things to these people. And I hate to tie this, but it's almost the way, and it wasn't to the extent of a, like a media sense but it's almost the way the German people turned against the Jews. Right. Yes, it absolutely is. Because you looked at them, you rationalized it on your in your own head because they were less than human. That's what they convinced themselves of. Right. And in those boarding schools in Canada, the government gave those Christian missionaries because you know the Catholic Church has such a great track record. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're just, we're fantastic just, people. There's a great. Uh, not to interrupt, but we got a good Patreon uh, Patreon ex, uh, episode out about uh, one of the Catholic. Uh, uh, Catholic's finest uh, priests. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah, but they just gave them carte blanche, man. They, they could do anything. They abused them. They withheld food. They would take those kids. They would forcibly, they took the RCMP, and they went and forcibly took those children from their parents for 10 months at a time. They didn't go to go home for holidays. They had them for 10 months out of the time. And so... They said, you know, and, and this makes a whole lot of sense, and it's stuff that you think about after someone says it, and you're like, damn, you know, why didn't I think of that? But do you know what kind of trauma when you abuse a child, what that turns into if you survive? It's oh. a lifelong trauma. And, and and here's another thing. They don't – there's nothing set up. There's no mental health in Canada right. for these people. Right. No. So if they are found and returned to their families, what happens then? You They're feel ba- disgraced. You feel like you – and they interviewed a lady that – she said out of her class, she's the only one that didn't commit suicide. Out of her entire class at one of these fucking schools. Because they do nothing for these people. And nothing. I, the world as a whole wants to turn a blind eye to mental health. Mm-hmm. I feel like in this country, we're slowly, slowly. Extremely slow. Looking at the effects of the mental health situation that happens when it comes well, we can, to kids. We can see that in our own hometown. Yeah. 
Yeah, you and I, I worked two years at a facility, residential facility, and these kids are broken. And they come, and it is, it's a cycle. It is a huge cycle. Well, you know, we put them right on the streets here in Rome when yeah. they close down the mental facility here. Well, here's another thing to look at, and I know Arlo, you have some, uh, you have some experience in this, and you'll you probably can kind of chime in on it better than than I can. But I know that we were looking at, um, we were talking about there would be a generation of kids uh, in the area that I grew up in, and, and Andrew and I went to school at. Uh, meth is a, is a big was a big problem, and they said eventually you're going to see that generation and their children starts filtering through the schools, and you're really going to start seeing some really true problems. You do, because... and I know people that's in teaching that 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 reverberate these stories. Uh, not at, not at Pepperell, but just uh, in a general Northwest Georgia problem. Uh, and it's it's a it that's a true pandemic it is a pandemic and what's funny is when i first started at that residential facility they i had the privilege of working with a a a lady who she's a saint to be honest with you and she put herself through school and she came from a situation that could have been she could have been a statistic but she chose not to be she pulled herself out of it and she was telling me, she said that the, the bad thing is, and she had been there eight years when I started, she said, this problem is not going away. If anything, it's getting worse because these kids that we treat, we can only treat them anywhere from six to 12 months, and then we release them back. Well, they're having babies, and it's a cycle, and it, you're just perpetuating that cycle. So, I mean, not taking anything away from Canada and the highway sure. of tears, but no. it, it, you can tie so many parallels to – things going on in our society as well as this and it's just it's and, and that's what that's what I, that's kind of like a, a, i'm trying to trying to not tie it in but just kind of say the injustice we we had our infrastructure with these kids that we're talking about in the united states that's coming from these these families with drug abuse there there's there's an infrastructure to help these kids somewhat doesn't really help a whole lot uh, but it's there there's an effort being made, but you go look up at in British Columbia, you talk about this, these atrocities that have happened for 40 decades, even longer than that, even back colonial times, there's never been a system and there's never been anything in the infrastructure to help turn that situation around for those people. It's only, it, it just, it's just trying to pluck them out of society. You know, and, and that's the thing. What I had I had learned by researching this it, in some of my notes, it stated that as segregation continued throughout the second half of the 20th century, Anglo-Canadian communities gained far more funding for public works and public service programs like public transportation, employment assistance programs than the First Nations communities. Grocery prices in First Nation communities were dramatically higher and continue to this day to be higher than the Anglo-Canadian communities. And child poverty rates are anywhere from three times to eight times as high. And that's in the 20th century. And that's We're not talking about the 1800s. That's here. when you're looking at underage girls uh, getting into prostitution. You know, that's where we go back to that. And a lot of these, a lot of the people that are, that, that they have record of, 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 the, there's a huge group or populace of those people that died hitchhiking. Well, the reason they hitchhike is because, like you said, there's no transportation. It wasn't until 2007 that the Canadian government 
put public transportation up there. And then to add insult to injury, it's $3 for a one-way bus ticket. Yeah. Three Canadian dollars. Yeah. They don't have money to buy groceries. No, they don't have money to pay. Yeah, exactly. They can't even eat. But hitchhiking is a big thing, and that's where, the not the majority, but a good portion of these women go missing. Uh, hitchhiking in between um, uh, Prince George and uh, Prince Rupert, they're, 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 that's the only way they have to, to if the if the bus comes through and it doesn't work with their with their their work schedule they got to walk to work or hitchhike that's the only other way to do it and if they don't go to work they don't eat and in that uh, british columbia where you just touched on there's 23 first nations that border that highway right 23 first nation communities that border highway 16 and it's not just highway 16 i think it's highway 95 and highway 6 that that intersect that highway 16 and it's you know like one lady on the documentary said you have people that have you know i'm gonna pick this young lady up well then well what if i do something to her nobody will ever find her yeah and that's what crosses that's what's happened crazy ass people's minds and for you to say that there's a there was an interview with a police officer and the police officer said you would be mortified you would be shocked you'd be terrified to know how many vans that we pull over that um they have Hidden uh, walls, yeah. hidden compartments in the panels, in the side panels of the van, that the door handles and locks from the inside are removed, and the locks are placed on the outside of the vans. And they well, said it's it's it is not one or two. You would be terrified to know how many people they pull over, and those vans are. And are, where are these kids going? Well, see, that's a whole other podcast, really, because. It's not another podcast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We could go another two hours on where these kids are sure. going. Just to put a perspective on the number of people we're talking about and, and and how bad it really is, I was reading that the number of indigenous women lost or killed estimated to exceed 4,000 in the last 30 years. That's about three a week. Yeah, and it's not something that's handling, handling, happening at random times. You're talking three a week. Three people a week are missing. Yeah, and it— that's what the I, average. What I found was estimates range from 18 to, and these are the ages of the women that have either disappeared or been murdered along the Highway of Tears, which is Highway 16. They range from 18 to 40, which they're as young as 12 and right. as old as 56 mm -hmm. is what I'd seen. Mm -hmm. But these disappearances go back as far as 1969 on the highway with vehicles. Right. And 10 out of every 18 that go missing are indigenous. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, Human Rights Watch started a research into this and said that British Columbia has the highest rate of unsolved murders among First Nations women and girls in Canada. And most would consider this to be a national crisis. And it said that while the RCMP stated that the murders were exceeding 40, their um, research showed what you said – that it was over four thousand, and that and that's this is, just over the last thirty years. Yeah, and this is just an this is one example. Indigenous women fifteen years and older are three and a half times more likely to experience violence than non-indigenous women, and that was a study in two thousand and four. Right, and it's still like you said, it still goes on today. I found still goes on today. I found cases uh, in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, so it's just it's crazy. But did you see? Uh, Excuse me. Trump put in a task team, some kind of uh, team to dive into this. Well, him and his daughter did both. Yeah. I didn't write any of that down, but I did read a little bit of it. And I don't know what they ever got accomplished, if anything. 
I think they are behind the ones that task team or is the driving force behind what we've seen. And it's not highly publicized in the U S it's not, we're finding well, nothing is nothing. None of the, you don't know about none any of this, this information. You don't know about any of this. It's, this is more yeah. lucrative than the cocaine and drug cap yeah. trafficking. Yeah. Humans. Trafficking humans is a, is a bigger business than trafficking cocaine. Yeah. That's exactly right. And the thing is, I think they're the driving force behind. If you will do any kind of search on your Google machines out there, we're finding kids in hotel rooms anywhere from 40 to 250 kids they find mm-hmm. at a time. And you and don't the, hear and, anything and, and, about and, and it. And they don't mention it at Never all. Never talk There's about it. There's not a whisper of it. Um, if you take a look at another thing, too, um, uh, one thing that it just kind of like struck a nerve with me, <clears throat> just again, the injustice of the whole situation um, they're looking at it as a First Nation issue. And this is not a Canada problem. It's not a British Columbia problem. This is a First Nation problem. They need to take. They need to get their people under control. And yeah, because they feel like I I, I saw that too. And, it, yeah. and they it, the underlying current in those is they almost blame them because you're not policing your own, but we're not giving you anything to do with it. It's right. your fault, but we're not going to help you. Right. And they're like a lot of these when they do find them, the bodies. Only someone from the community would know that little gravel road or that little pig trail or, and they would know where to put a body. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they feel like probably 75% of it is, you know, indigenous, you know, lack of a better word, Indian on Indian crime. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this and I, and I'm kind of jumping way ahead, but I feel like um, I, to me personally, I don't think it's a sex trafficking thing. I think, I think it it could very easily be that, but unfortunately, I think these people it, these 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 women are victims of a serial killer. Oh, I agree. Our group of people that's that's this this just sick and demented and doing these things because, um, what a perfect crime, you know? It's a perfect crime because nobody's looking for you. I mean, you it's like putting a fox in a hen house, but and, you say, and there's no farmer there to protect the chickens. You know, it's the same situation. But you say you don't think that it's a large amount of sex trafficking, but that doesn't explain the vans you were talking about. Yeah, because I think the vans are sex trafficking. Right. That now that that does have a lot to do with it. I mean, those those vans are used prevalently in the in 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 abducting people. So, um, I mean, they're I mean they're taking them somewhere. Yeah. Well, here's a theory. There was a big uh, lumber yard. In British Columbia, uh, which is closed off, and um, I want to—I'm going to butcher this guy's name because y'all know that's what I do. Uh, there's an ex-cop; he's a detective. He's been working on these cases for ten years. <clears throat> he does been, it pro bono too, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Miko. Jesus, I, I'm good at butchering names. All right, butcher that one. As it looks like, where's it at? The names were oh, tough. Yeah. That's why I didn't write a lot of them down. Mm-hmm. Melico. Makalo, Makalo, Makalo. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, um, but this guy's been working these. He's been working. T- I mean, he's he's been working on this stuff diligently for ten years, and so he's been. He gets uh, the First Nation people will get a tip, and they feed it to him. They don't. They don't even go to the police. No, because, because they feel like the police. The police are just hushing it up, and, and even even to hush it up even more. That's being the, nice. The police. Yeah. <laughs> when when all this first started happening back in the seventies, and you had all these situations coming up. They considered it a First Nation problem that these women were prostitutes or they're drug abusers. Runaways. They're, they're, they're runaways. Run yeah. Menaces to society. They'll never amount to anything. 
they deleted all the fucking emails with every bit of the evidence they had on so many cases. They deleted them. So, but this guy, thank God, he's, he's kind of. But that makes you wonder why. why. Why were they all deleted? Who are they protecting? Yeah. And that see, too. that's that's where my you know tenfold hat goes on, and mm-hmm. you know my <laughs> conspiracy theory yeah. kicks in because yeah. I, I mean you're not. I'll wrong. go down that rabbit hole. They're protecting somebody. Mm-hmm. So, are these people being sold? It very well could be. Could be. And the government's involved. Could be. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm here. I don't either. Because when you're talking about three, this is average. But when you're talking about three people a week over the last thirty years, that's a whole, that's a shit ton of people. Something's got to be happening with these people, and some of them are never found. They're just gone, and it makes you think: are these people being sold, and they're gone somewhere else, yeah. and the government knows about it. That's why this all being kept hushed. This is why we don't hear about it. Yeah, I agree. Because there's an inside thing going on here, and they're still not looked at as important people no they're not and it, 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 it and to kind of get us back it's a terrible track, thing to say but it's true it was not until 2005 that the rcmp started what they would call epana and that's an inuit word describing the spirit goddess that looks after souls just before they go to heaven or are reincarnated and in 2005 it was after three women whose cases shared some commonalities that they started this epana project the three women in question were alicia germain roxanne tiara and Ramona Wilson. Ramona Wilson's probably the most famous one of the three. The RCMP used three criteria when reviewing the cases and determined that they met, one, the victim was involved in a high-risk activity that would expose them to dangers such as hitchhiking or being involved in the street trade when that's nice saying that you're a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. The victim was last seen or their body was never discovered within a mile or if the body was discovered, it was within a mile of the highway 16 mm-hmm. near the river. Yeah. And <clears throat> or in the, the woods third was they were female mm-hmm. and those three criteria is what they, they used. And they said they only found 18 that yeah. matched that criteria. Horseshit. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and to kind of go back, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when, when the ex detectives taking a look at everything, we're talking about the old lumber yard. There's a thing that was called a, um, a beehive burner. Okay, a beehive burner. What that is is when they when they when they at the sawmill they're cutting up the lumber. You have these huge mountains of sawdust. Okay, they would place it in this big incinerator and burn it, and then they clean the ashes out, and that's how they got rid of all the sawdust. Okay, well you better fucking believe you can burn a body up in there, and they're true. massive. Yeah. So if you're stacking dead women in there with that uh, in and that incinerator and just sawdust. covering them up with sawdust, I mean they're nothing but ashes. The bones are burned away. So. That's one rumor theory, and that actually came. Uh, that was a tip given uh, from some of the people uh, up in uh, First Nation. People had gave that that tip to this guy, and he actually went to the sawmill because he he believed in the interview he gave with Vice that there was somebody living there and had always lived there, but he couldn't get access to it. And when he tried to reach out to the, uh, and when we talk about, um, we keep saying. Uh, it's, it's the Royal Mounted Canadian Police, the RMCP. He reached out to them, and he was immediately given a cease and desist order. Tell him, you will not work on any of these cases. If you do any anything other uh, anything further, then you'll be uh, arrested. liable for, arrested yeah. for tampering with evidence, okay? Or, or in, in, what is it, having an investigation, uh, illegal investigation, so... 
Man, I know there's a fancy word for that. <laughs> I just can't find it. I don't know what you're talking about. But again, that means they're protecting something. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's something. There's something way. And, and, and that's why I think it's more than just, you know, alcohol or drugs. And there's a major problem when the, in these communities with that. I think, I really do think there's, there's I think money government's involved, involved, man. I really yeah. do. I truly believe the government's involved. There's money involved, and in, in money is, unfortunately... Money's exchanging hands yeah. for these people. I'm telling you right now. And it, and it may be a matter of just... Um, Indentured I, servants. One of the craziest movies i ever seen was 8mm, if y'all had never seen that, with oh, Nicolas Cage. And what he was is he was a detective to find this missing girl. It's pretty disturbing. Uh, the, the, uh, some old rich guy had died. And his wife was going through his belongings, and she found a video of this missing girl who was uh, sexually assaulted and murdered on camera. Uh, and then Nicholas Cage, of course, his character has to go find out what happened to this girl. Um, that kind of shit really happens. Yeah, it's not just somebody's sick mind made a movie about it. It, it there's a story somewhere that shit happens. So some of these people could have been victims of of, of certain. I mean, not saying making videos of it, but. But doing things like that and just discarding the body once they're done with it. So. Yeah, because they look at them as less than human, so nobody's going to miss Sure. Them. Nobody cares. No. Uh, a lot of these women you took a look at, we talked about the hitchhiking issue. Um, most of these women were found sexually assaulted and beaten mm-hmm. to death or sexually assaulted and strangled to death. And that's two characteristics of, a, of I mean, two heavy characteristics. You got um, the people look the same. They get the same um, profile. The women have the same profile. Um, same types of same area where they're abduct, abducted, and they die the same. They're found dead the same way. So I mean, there's the there's ones that are found. Ones that are exactly the ones that are found. Yeah, and, it, and we can get into some of those victims. I've got a list, and I know you do too. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and it, the one they kind of start with is Gloria Moody. She was 27, a mother of two. She was last seen leaving a bar in Williams Lake, British Columbia, on October 25th, 1969. The next day. Her body was found 10 kilometers away, stashed in thick woods near a cattle ranch. She had been stripped naked. Mm-hmm. She was raped. And she was beaten so badly that she bled out. Mm. Yep. Unsolved. Unsolved. You got, uh, oh, man, I get to pick that. And if you're beaten. You want me to do that one? If I you're Shalene. Well, let's me, Shalene. Pare. Pare. But uh, if you're. Hang on one no, second. You're good. Go so, ahead. So, so if you're beaten that badly. That you bleed out. That's what killed me. You can't tell me there's not DNA on that body. Right. They can. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and you know, then we go back to emails being deleted. You know, DNA is so strong now. DNA evidence is so strong now. There's probably so much that was discarded on these murders that could have could have dialed it in uh, on who was doing these things. They actually arrested a guy in 1994. Do you have that guy's name? Yeah, hold on, let me. I'm trying down. to, uh, and I know I'm jumping around. It's, it's just this is what ADD looks like, folks. When you get 46, um, well, I got a shit ton of <laughs> good of ladies that. Um, it was in 1994. Um, I, that? I got. I mean, I got. Let's see, soft cases in. Let's see, I, that was 2012. I, I know who you're talking about. I don't have the 90. I, was it, it Cody Legoboff? Cough? It, it could have been. I think it was 94. He was arrested. Was it, Did you have that? He was the homegrown serial killer in Canada? Yes. Yes, yes. that's him. Cody so, Legoboff. So they tied one of these murders to this guy. Well, he is he, he, but they arrested him in 94, but the murders continued to happen. So they, they thought they had their man, so to speak. 
Uh, but he was it was not because the murders kept continuing to go on. So. Right. He would could not be responsible to have a huge list. Of yeah. Girls. I mean, He's it's just so many more after that. So did you read about Molly Martin? Yeah. There, yeah. I have a whole, whole I mean, some of these. So Molly in August of just last year now. Yeah. This, this is, is this just is, this, last this, year. this is how this is happening. In August of just last year, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police refused to issue an Amber Alert for 14-year-old Molly Martin, a First Nations girl. She tis- she disappeared in the company of a 40 sh- uh, 47-year-old white male. They refused yeah. to issue an Amber Alert. I don't know if you you saw this in the you know documentary. Why? They probably knew the white male. Yeah. There I think a, it's linked, man. I, I do. Mean, I mean, I, I do. They arrested a judge. He was these girls were coming to him because they had done some truancy or some other bullshit. He was pimping them out, paying them for sex. You know what he got? There was 45 girls they tied him to. Seven years in prison. Seven fucking years. Wow. Well, and then I'll go back to the Catholic. Look, I'll go back to the Catholic Church, and this will make you sick in the in the episode we did on Patreon. Uh, and I'll just give you a little. It was a pastor, a reverend, if you will, and had uh, was filming a porno movie with uh, two dominatrix inside mm-hmm. the church down by the altar mm-hmm. filming it. Yeah. This guy got excommunicated and banned from ever having anything to do with the Catholic Church. Guess what happens to you if you get caught fucking a little kid in the Catholic Church? You get promoted. You get reassigned. Yeah, that's right. They, they reassign you re- to yeah. a different location. Yeah. You know, a, to a rural parish. To a rural parish. Coming to a Methodist church near you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. That's going disturbing to, is what yeah, that is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, Micheline Palais. All right, Micheline. Uh, she was also a hitchhiker uh, from Quebec, uh, found dead, uh, sexually assaulted, and bludgeoned to death. Yeah, and this was August the 8th of 1970. 1970, yep. Um, and you jump, You kept talking about 12-year-old uh, Monica Jack was the youngest of victims. She was murdered in 1970 or went missing in 1978. They did not find her body until 1995. Yeah, and they actually, thank God, Gary Taylor Handlin was a 67-year-old man, and he was charged with her death in 2014. He was also charged with an 11-year-old girl, Catherine Mary Herbert, who was not tied, tied to the Highway of Tears. Though he claimed he is not guilty, they felt like, and they had kept, they caught him confessing to an undercover RCMP officer that he had killed both of them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Gail Weiss, she was 19 years old from Clearwater, British Columbia, last seen hitchhiking in October of 1973. They didn't find her remains until April of 74. And they suspected Bobby Jack Fowler in her death, and we'll get back to him because okay. he's, he's a huge piece of shit from America. Yeah, he is. Um, the next one in... 73, Pamela Darlington, she was found murdered in a local park. Again, they suspect piece of shit, Bobby Jack Fowler. Monica Ignis. Ignis, yep. She was 15 years old. Um, She was found in December of... 74. 74, and she was just a few kilometers east of where she disappeared. Mm -hmm. Yep. And And it takes over a year. And I think people can't wrap their heads around that, but it, it is so rural up there. Just... 200 yards off the road is nothing. You're in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. They call it the bush up there, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's thick, thick. Mm -hmm. And if hunters find these, these bones all the time, all the time. So what the animals hadn't picked over. Cause you got giant, you know, brown bear territory up there. Um, Colleen McMillan was 16 years old. She disappeared in August of 74 when she left her family home in Lake La Hache, 
British Columbia to hitchhike to a visit to visit a friend. They found her remains a month later, but thirty eight years thirty eight years later they tie Bobby, Bobby Jack, Jack to it again. And unfortunately, he died in prison in two thousand six. You know, and he never you couldn't hold him. Right, and we just had a murder in August of last year. So, right. I mean, there's the other thing that looks. Here's the other thing. Here's the other uh, the slap in the face. Um, and I know I'm going to say her name. Uh, it, it, no, I, I can do, I can do this one. 2002, Nicole Hoare body was found white Caucasian. Uh, found she was abducted at a gas station. Uh, she was the only reason these murders was brought to national attention because you know why she was white and dude, I'm talking 2002. This has been going on since the seventies and it took 2002 for a white woman, a white woman murdered to draw national attention to this. And it goes back to what we, we say in America when we deal with missing women all the time, if you are a white woman, blonde headed, it's the blonde headed missing women. Yeah. Mm -hmm syndrome yep. if you're blonde young blue-eyed national attention if you are if you don't meet that criteria they just kind of sweep you away uh, you're you just know. another number yeah so some more maureen mosey and shelly Basco both went missing around the same time their bodies were found just off of highway 16 they were not found until 83 um 89, Alberta Williams disappeared, and this is September of 89. She was 24. She had wandered off and disappeared after leaving a crowded bar with her sister and a group of friends. No one was quite sure how she could have just vanished, and she had been there one moment and gone the next. Roughly a month later, they find her body near Prince Rupert, near some old railroad tracks. The body showed evidence of strangulation and sexual assault. And actually, she got, in 2016, CBC News produced an eight-part podcast about her death. So she gained some, some Canadian attention up there. attention up there, yeah. But again, you know, she disappeared in 89. It wasn't until 2016 that someone took up the... Took the case up. Yeah. I mean... Started asking questions. There was... Um, this is sad. I, Cecilia Ann Nicole was a 15-year-old young lady who was last seen on Highway 16 near Smithers. And Smithers, British Columbia, has a higher rate of these women right. disappearing. She has never been seen. Then her cousin, Delphine Nicole, disappeared on the 14th of June of 1990. She was high. high <laughs> You've been hanging around with me too yeah. long. She was hitchhiking between Smithers and her home in Telqua. For a family to have two, unbelievable, and they never found either one of them. No, they look, were sold. I, look, I'm gonna tell you, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a, I'm not nowhere, ne- like I'm not a police officer, I'm not an investigator, I'm not, um, I don't work on any kind of crime scene investigation type stuff. But you would think the police would be smart enough to to suit up in some military gear and some ghillie suits, hiding out of the woods. And put one of their own out there hitchhiking. Bingo. What the fuck, dude? 40 years? It's not that hard. 40 it's fucking, not that hard to 40 up. fucking years and you can't set that shit up one time? You don't have a feminine little boy that's in the RCMP I, that you can put in a wig? I, right. I, I guarantee right. you there's one they all make fun of. Yeah. It was like, you would look good in a miniskirt. You missed a great chance of being a girl. If so. they know about all these vans with the locks yeah. only on the outside and all this right here, all, all this stuff, all you got to do, like you said, set it up on that highway 
get ready to bust their ass. Let me tell you, I'll tell you something, Stephen Satter. But they don't care. I bet your ass can't go out there and fucking snipe a bear. No. Nope. Your ass will get thrown under a jail for that. You damn right. You go out there and do some. If uh, I kill a moose out of season, out of season I get more than seven years. You're for going to fucking prosecuting prison. Little girls. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So getting to Ramona Wilson, one of the more famous ones, and she's in a lot of the disappearance or the documentaries. She was 16. She was hitchhiking from her friend's home in Smithers on June 11th of 94 to a graduation party. For seven months, they had intensive searches and could not find her. And then her mother received an anonymous call claiming her daughter's body could be found in a field near the airport. So they did this huge search, couldn't find her. Ten months after the search, in April of 95, they would find her remains, and it would be found by two moose hunters lying under some trees in the woods well off the road. She was a member of the Gatana Max Band, and she's in the documentary, and I actually had wrote this one down. It's titled Finding Dawn, and it was done by a filmmaker named Christine Welsh. And that whole documentary talks more in depth about the murdered and missing indigenous women. And, and and my thing is, that's 94, man. We were fresh out of high school. Yeah, fresh out of high school. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Not, no, nothing. No. Absolutely nothing. No 60 Minutes. No, you know, all those shows that were popular at the time with the Inside Edition and all that. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And and just in 94, you have Roxane Thiera. She was going to meet. She was 16. She was going to meet a customer. Mm-hmm. Okay, 16-year-old. 16-year-old yeah. having to meet a customer. She's never heard from again. They found her stuffed under underbrush near Burns Lake. A month later, another 15-year-old, Alicia Germain, they found her near an elementary school mm-hmm. right off the highway. She had been stabbed to death. That was the one that was in broad daylight. They dropped the body in broad daylight, and they're like, there's no way you'd have – there's no way anybody – so I'll go ahead and go – I'll jump on the conspiracy theory thing. I'm already on that bus. If you have a Welcome ve- aboard. If you have a vehicle that's well-known – like a government service vehicle, yep. You know, like a police not- car, or an ambulance, or whatever. Nobody's questioning why that thing's parked on the side of the road. Oh, they're exactly just doing right. paperwork. Mm. Now they might be dumping a little kid off on the side of the road dead. Yeah, there was Lena Derek. That's where I'm at. She was 19. She disappeared October 7th of 95. She was last seen near a gas station in Thornhill. She was traveling east to her home in Hazleton. She was enrolled in the Northwest Community College in Houston, or Houston, however they say it up there, British Columbia. Yeah. You, like you said, the Nicole Hauer or Hoare case, that's the one that gained national attention. She was 25 at the time. Then we get to, in 2005, you got Tamara Chipman. She was last seen hitchhiking um, near an industrial park. We go on to a 14-year-old student at D.P. Todd Secondary School in Prince George. She went missing and was last seen by her family on February 2nd, 2006. They find her body eight days later in a ditch. On the highway. On the highway. Mm-hmm. Right off of this highway. Um, Again, what I mean, somebody using a service vehicle. Yeah. Or a vehicle nobody would ever question. The one that I could find a lot of information on, and we're not. I'm not trying to trivialize some of these women. There's just not any information out there. Uh, Madison Scott, she was 20 years old, and in May of 2011, she was last seen camping at Hogsback Lake around 25 kilometers southeast of Vanderhoof, British Columbia. And according to witnesses there, there had been a huge party, and she had her friends at the campground, and she just disappeared. She was last seen in the early hours of May 28th of 2011. After no one has 
any idea of what happened to her. She failed to return home, and all attempts to contact her cell phone were met with failure. They searched for her and found her pickup truck parked right where she had left it. Her purse is inside. Her backpack is is inside, but her cell phone's missing. Her tent was found, and it was undisturbed. They did a ground and air and water search, but nothing could be found. They interviewed every person at the party, but could find no one who disliked her, held a grudge against her, or wanted to harm her. However, some amount of suspicion was roused when it was learned that everyone else who had been at the party had ended up going home rather than camping out, except for Madison. Her friend, Jordy Bolduck, who, as far as anyone knows, was the last person to see her alive, claimed that she had eventually gone home, but police questioned him and could not come up with any solid evidence tying him to the disappearance. The other person in this case, of a person of interest in this case, was Fjorn Bordson. He was 28, he was a logger, a 28-year-old logger. And supposedly he had told some people that he knew what had happened to her to her. And he was found to be a drug user who had run-ins with the law. And it was found that he, um, they later found out that he had convinced Madison. He abducted her and sold her to drug dealers for his fix. Mm. Kidnapped her and wow. sold a woman. And he's up there working in that area. And that's, you know, that's, that's, and that may be a prevalent uh, form of currency. For and those loggers. A little irony here, if you and going on, I'm jumping on the train, the bus. Two days after he's talked to, he disappears. He's disappeared. Yep. There you go. Yep. He was protected. Yep. Yep. Or he was killed. killed oh, yeah. He, they can't find him. He's dead. Yeah, he's dead. So, yeah. Or, I mean, or not. Maybe he just relocated. He, he swept yeah. away and protected. Yeah. Maybe he got relocated to a Methodist church near you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Yeah. You, that's just it. That's the scary part of all of it. You just don't, you don't know what's going on. But it stinks. It's why it's, 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 it's it, been it, for so long and it's so widespread. It's, uh, it's, it's these, I think it's these things that when I, I lay down at night, I really don't want to know the truth to it. I don't want to, I don't want to know because I don't know if I could, if I'd ever want to leave my house with my kids again. And I'm going to touch on these last ones here just a little bit because there's not a whole lot of information on them. But these that I'm about to mention. That's just it. You have to look to find information. Yes, it's not out there. You have to find it. I mean, yeah. you have to search for it. You do. These are the cases that they did not include in the EPANA. They're all still missing from Smither, around Smithers and Highway 16. Helen Frost, she was 17 years old, last seen hitchhiking. Virginia Sampair. This is going back to 1970, and for some reason, they're not included in the original EPANA. Virginia Sampair. She was one of six children. She disappeared in October of 71. You've got Cecilia Nicole. She went missing off the highway. You've got... Um, hold on, my mouse is not paying, playing nice. Deanna Brom, 16, right off... Highway 16 again. Bonnie Marie Joseph. She was 31. She was last seen in Vanderhoof. Um, immaculate Basil. It's not. It's spelled Basil, but it's tough Basil. names, man. I, yeah. I, I struggle with them too. That's why I didn't even bother writing them down. I knew I could say them. 2013. She's not included. Anita Thorne, 49. Again, missing in 2014. Right off Highway 16. They actually find her body. Again, not included. The oddest case I came around was the case of Doreen Jack. And this is fucking weird. 
she didn't just disappear off the highway. Her entire family disappeared. Oh, mm. God. On the evening of August 2nd, 1989, Doreen's husband, Ronald, met a man at a local pub in Prince George, British Columbia, where the man offered him a job at a ranch or a logging camp. That night, the family prepared for the trip to the area of his new job. Around 1.30, Ronald called his mother from a resort located approximately 50 kilometers west of Prince George on the Highway of Tears, inform, informing her, his mother, that himself, Doreen, and their two boys, 9-year-old Russell and 4-year-old Ryan, were leaving for about two weeks. That was the last time anyone ever saw their family. They're all still missing to this day. The entire family. So here's what I got. This is what I just came up with. I got one, too, on that. What if we have a large logging outfit, probably outsourced? Uh, they're coming in from another country, and they hire all these these guys that are hooked on drugs, nope, felons that can't find jobs. Yep. They supply them with drugs, give them a little bit of spending money, and when they're off work, they're to hit up these prostitutes and these taverns in this town and hitchhikers. Bring the girls there so they can sell them off. Yeah. I mean, it, huge logging out, a huge company logging outfits. I down mean, in the middle of nowhere. Out in the middle of nowhere. From, and you Records get, go missing. You're talking about, you keep mentioning people that kind of sound like they have like a Swedish name, maybe. Uh, maybe I watched Girl with a Dragon Tattoo one I too many that, times. Man. But, I mean, who's to say that this big logging outfit that's been operating in these areas for so long, that's their... Because, that's their thing. Because, yeah, that's because, how they they make money from uh, from labor. As far as these 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 they pay these guys strung out on drugs or can't find a job or keep a job. Uh, they pay them in drugs and give them a little spending money. And in return, when you go out at night, um, we're gonna we need you to find get this for us, and then we're gonna we'll give you X amount of dollars more or X amount of drugs more. Yeah, and just keep it. I mean. Who's to say that's not a possibility? So getting to yeah. Mr. Bobby Jack, it, uh, the Eapana had their crowning moment in 2012 when that DNA evidence tied this piece of shit from America to the murder of Colleen McMillan. And he was a drifter who had a criminal history of sexual assault, violence, and firearm possession. He was strongly su suspected to be behind the murder and was believed to be responsible for the deaths of Gail Weiss and Pamela Darlington as well and even possibly up to six others. Wow. Unfortunately, he couldn't answer for his uh, his crimes because he died in prison on unrelated kidnapping and assault charges in 2006. Hmm. And like you had said, they tied him to almost nine, but it couldn't be linked to all of them because he was in prison, and they continued after 2006. Right. He was just a convenient scapegoat for him. I yeah, he did kill women, 100% killed some. But they were trying to pin as many of them on as they could. So Gary Taylor Hanlon supposedly confessed to the the Jack family, but he there's no evidence. No of evidence it. of it. Um, it's not us. It's them. Here's what's jacked up. Lauren Leslie went missing, and a RCMP constable made a routine traffic stop, and the driver of the black pickup stated that he stopped the. The driver that he stopped, I'm sorry, was a 20-year-old man of that Cody Legbukov that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And he supposedly was acting real suspicious, so the officer started questioning him, and he had been poaching, and they arrested him on poached deer, moose, and elk 
but rather than animal carcasses, they found a missing that missing murder girl near the carcasses that he had dumped. And you know what? They charged him not with her murder because her body was found naked, beaten, throat cut. Charged him with all the poaching. Poaching. Which is crazy. Unbelievable. Crazable. I just made up a that's name. A, unbelievable and crazy. That's, that's coming, up, that's coming, like on, that's on a t-shirt. Coming, coming, coming to a website near you, crazable. Yeah, y'all can have that one. We had like the best like five-star review ever. <laughs> and he was like, five stars. The subject line, yes. The review, good enough. <laughs> good enough. That's awesome. It, you know, that's that, great. It's not bad. It's not bad. We're not good. We're not right. We're not bad. We're just good enough. good enough. He gets me from one place to another. I can listen to it. Yeah. Dude, I. that's just... That's just exactly what I just said. You can't you can't poach in that area. You can poach you can poach people, but you can't poach animals. Yeah, you can kill First Nations people, but if you get caught killing a moose, you're done. They said that this Cody guy had been tied to and basically Canadian the Canadian homegrown serial killer to murders happening as far back as when he was seventeen in nineteen sixty nine. Mm. And they didn't get him until he was dumping fucking deer. And elk on the side of the road. And a body. And we talked about Canada's own missing white girl syndrome. Like you said, it wasn't it didn't come out until the case of the in Red Deer, Alberta, the and I hate saying that, but her last name's Whore. It is Whore. Yeah. <laughs> but uh and that got like national How attention. It really was. On the email scandal, I did have that one. In October of twenty fifteen, an email scandal among government officials in British Columbia raised doubt that they were handling any of these investigations. Access denied a 65-page report written by Elizabeth Denham, the province information and privacy commissioner, outlined how government officials triple deleted emails relating to Highway of Tears missing people, permanently removing removing them from the government's computer system. In so, during, in so doing, Denham argues that these officials breached the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. The scandal only adds to the concerns that all of these indigenous people already knew was happening. Why they're not going to uh, they're not going to go to the police because they know nothing's going to happen. Gonna, yeah. In one of the documentaries I saw, the lady says that her daughter went missing, and he and the husband said, "Get in the car, we're going to find her." Because we've already told the police and they're not doing anything. And she said they just happened to be driving by, and and he told her he said, "Let's go get some of the guys." So they went and got some indigenous, and they were like, where are you going to dump, if you poached, where are you going to dump the carcass? And they were like, man, I'm heading up the road to the ski resort. Mm -hmm. So they head up the road, and she said that it was like that mother's intuition. She said, when you go back and you look at it, she said, there's no reason I should have stopped the truck. She said, it wasn't a game trail. She said, it was almost like the grass had been laid down. She's like, just stop, stop, stop right here. There was a severe drop-off, and so the husband gets out, goes down the drop-off, and it looks like somebody had just set his daughter there. Mm. They did the legwork. They found her. Now, and, and that's a damn shame. They could they see the... I mean, if they can go find them with with no tools or no anything, it's ridiculous. Why not, be, ridiculous. Why not get a, a whole force of, of uh, First Nation people? And I think that's why... The, on this job. I mean, and, and I think that's why they feel like that they've done so much to take the Indian away from them. There's not a community. There mm -hmm. are 37 tribes or whatever I said up there, and it they no longer want to take care of each other. They've they've had that beaten out of them. Society's beaten that out of them, taken that, stripped them of their their heritage. 
to where they are doing this. And the guy, you know, he he really is. I can't. I apologize. I don't have his name, but he's one of those people. He 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 made this reference. He said, "If I see a young lady, and I know she's engaging in some." crazy behavior that's that's going to harm her. If it takes me 99 chances, giving her 99 chances to get her to see that she's harming herself, I'll give her 99 chances. And he said, and upon that 99th chance, if I realize that it's going to take 99 more, I'm going to give her 99 more. He said, because I'm not giving up. Yeah. And that whole only, I can't do anything. I'm just one person. You're right. You are just one person. But you, if you save one, it's like teaching. If I can get to one, mm-hmm. if I can get you to the door and push you to open that door where you don't fall back into that cycle, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do that. And I'm going to hold on to that. And if I help you, then maybe you will tell somebody that I helped you. And then I can help the next one. Well, you got her off of drugs. Can you get me off of drugs? Mm-hmm. And then that one turns into two. Two turns into five. And it just keeps building. And he himself is not wealthy. You know, he's not. But he do, he's doing more for his community, he's bringing back like he, summer camps. Instead of letting these kids just walk around the highway during the summer, it's a free camp. He teaches them how to. They have picnics, but then they honor the their god or goddess or spirit of the land or the water. And they make a plate and they drive, they canoe out and they built these traditional canoes and they explain to them this is how we they canoed across and this is how they did. And he's trying to get that heritage back in there. Last thing I wanted to touch on was the mass transit thing we kind of talked about. It wasn't until 2017 they started three bus routes, and that's between Smithers and Morristown. Two other service areas are between Burns Lake and Smithers and between Burns Lake and Prince George. Although the 2006 Highway of Tears Symposium recommended a shuttle, it took over a decade to see any change. In 2018, the province Ministry of Transportation reported that about 5,000 people have used the new bus routes, but they only run from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So what are these girls supposed to do if you work till 9 o'clock? You got to walk home. You either walk or hitchhike home. Yeah. Greyhound Canada announced in 2018 that it would stop servicing routes along the highway as well as other stops across Canada. The mayor of Smithers, Taylor Bockrock, has argued that the expanded local transit service along the highway does not make up for the services that Greyhound offered. Claire Trevina, the province's Minister of Transportation, said she plans to work with the communities affected by the service disruption to ensure transportations are met. I saw one lady that runs a cab, and between 6 a.m. and 5 p.m., she does her regular cab rides. After that, it's pro bono. If she sees anyone... She's a female. She has a taxi cab light on, and she tells them up front, where are you going? I'm not charging you. She said she'd have girls that she would pick up during the daylight hours that could only pay her to get to a mile marker. Just let me off here. And she's like, no, sweetie. You're not going to become a statistic. And she she puts herself at a huge risk, too. Because she's a woman. She's a woman, yeah. And she's also interfering in the business. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that whole thing of somebody's making money because if they wasn't making money on a huge upper level, this shit would be... It'd be all over. It'd be... Because you think about these lumber companies. You want to do something for the community that you're just stripping the land of lumber? And I'm not a tree hugger. I'm not saying that because I know most lumber companies replant. We're not into those days. You want to do something for the community? Hire indigenous people to work for you, but also donate money for the town to to buy a van. Or a shuttle. Yeah. Have a van or a shuttle. Go to these little towns. 
you know, here's $10,000 to go buy an old school bus. We'll give you, you can come fuel that thing when you, we fuel all of our trucks. You've got our, what do they call it? That fleet card, mm-hmm. you know, that takes care of stuff like that. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know, man. I just feel like this is a solvable case. I do too. And we are choosing, not we as Americans, but we as human beings are choosing to turn a blind eye to it. And, it, and that's what pisses me off. Yeah. If it's fixable, fix it. If it's not fixable, if it if this was one person every ten or fifteen years, that's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. This is blatant. This is blatant. This is blatant as it can be. Yeah. So. Um, I wonder what the Simpsons tie in to the Burns and Smithers thing is. Oh, that's that you talk. We could do two or three episodes on that. I mean, that's that's kind of. You know how they're always kind of on the cusp of everything. You're right, man. Burns and Smithers. That's just, uh, and uh, Burns was the evil rich guy. And he just happens to look like one of the Rothschilds. And Smithers is just his little lap dog doing whatever. That's crazy. Um, I'll tell you something else that's even crazier. And I'd like to talk to you about this the next time we can get you in here. Have a same situation that's been going on in the city of Atlanta. And I don't know if you know about the dumping grounds on Interstate 85. Mm-hmm. You aware of that one, too? I've, I don't know a lot about I it, don't but know I've heard about it. it. That's what I was going to say. I don't know a lot about it, but it's one of those rabbit holes that I don't have the time to dive down <laughs> to right now because yeah. I'll be like Mar Murray, and that's all I'll do for yeah. like six months. Right. It's, I mean, it's pretty uh, – Interstate 85 is very close to us. Uh, and uh, This is, makes the Atlanta child murders pale. Yeah, it makes comparison. pale in comparison for sure. It, But there's uh, – there's been bodies been dumped off of uh, Interstate I-85 for years and years and years. Uh, women. Yeah, and, throwaways. And just throwaways. And so. the thing is, that, that's another thing. If you can dump women off of I-85 in Atlanta, there's never not a busy time. I've never gotten on 85 and my asshole not pucker. Yeah. If you get on 85 and you're not off 85 or 285 before 3 o'clock, you better have some lunch. With you're you. done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy, it man. Is. And and it, and it, and in that episode when we do that, we'll go back and touch on this one a little bit. You know, there's some conspiracy theories out there, and I think it could be more than conspiracy about the royal family involved in some of these missing children. Have you have you heard about? Yeah, see, there's there's conspiracy. There's uh, supposedly. I try I try to hide my tinfoil hat, but every time you say something like, "Man," I'm like, <laughs> I, 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 I know what you're talking about. Do it right!